Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast of PatsFans.com. We are back on Patriots 4th and 2, the official podcast, PatsFans.com. I'm Russ Coleman. Joining me, as always, is Steve Balsheri and Derek Havens. In this episode, guys, it's going to be mostly focusing on what we watched Monday night, the title of the show, I think, basically explains it. Embarrassing night at Gillette Stadium, on and off the field, in my opinion. And we're going to talk about both parts of that. Yep. But before we do anything else, let me introduce everyone back to the show for it. Derek, how you doing? And also, if anyone is wondering, I now have the Pats Fans logo on our live stream. So I hope, hopefully, uh, Ian will be happy. And also, also mention, subscribe on YouTube to the PatsFans.com YouTube channel. And also please do subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Okay, guys, Derek, over to you. How you doing? And uh, just give me your opening thoughts. Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, we got to rip the Band-Aid off today. Man, we have a lot to unpack. Uh, I wasn't expecting so much to have so many topics of conversation following that Bears game on Monday night. But, yeah, so let's just start off. It was it was a, a stunning, uh, disappointing loss. I don't really know how to put it any other way. Uh, Steve and I... Talked about it offline yesterday, and we talked for almost 45 minutes. I didn't realize okay. how long we talked because there's just so many different areas to discuss. Um, yeah. The Bears came into the uh, into Gillette and punched the Patriots in the mouth. And yeah. I, I have we've seen the Patriots lose um, a decent amount since Brady left with a post Brady era. We call it. Yeah, this is one of the worst losses of the post Brady era. I mean, it reminded me of. The 49ers game uh, in 2020, where it just didn't look competitive. It actually had the same feel as the Patriots Chiefs game in 2014, uh, where, you know, the Patriots, they're just not good anymore. Like it was that kind of a loss where you just felt like the team couldn't do anything right. They were out coached, yeah. uh, which Bill has often said uh, after the podium, you know, uh, you know, that outcoached outplayed this is one of those games where he wasn't lying they were totally and thoroughly outcoached it starts with them the players physically beaten I thought that it it wasn't just the like you know the opposing players were more skilled it was that they physically manhandled the Patriots I felt like throughout the game the tr- the line in the trenches on both sides I thought spoke volumes um I thought that uh the quarterback situation honestly is almost an entirely different conversation I think we could do a whole show just on that. 
Yes, I think how Bill Belichick handled the quarterback situation was one of the biggest bungles of his entire time with the Patriots. Well, I think it's one of it. his worst mistakes uh, yep. in his 20 years. I just think this, the situation with the quarterbacks right now is ugly, and yep. we'll get. Gonna I'm going to put that it. to this. I'm going to put that to the side. Okay. Um, I will say that. this: when Bailey Zappi initially came in, and the Patriots went up 14 to 10, I, honest to God, thought the game had totally flipped. And the Patriots were going to start pulling away. And then for the Bears to come kind of just uno card reverse and then put it back on the Patriots like they didn't need to skip a beat. I really thought was very eye opening. Um, and we'll talk about, again, a lot of a lot of different things. But yep. honestly, just a very surprising eye opening. Didn't see it coming. Loss. Okay. Derek, I'm going to respond to how I felt when Bailey Zappi came in in just a bit, but I want to go to Steve first. And yep. Steve, I just want to get your opening thoughts because we're going to look at this on so many different levels. I've got all kinds of topics for us, but I just wanted to start from the basics and just get your opening thoughts on what you watched uh, Monday night. Yeah, uh, the Patriots played um, their brand of football for seven minutes and four seconds. Um, there was two drives by the Bears and two by New England, and that's the seven minutes and four seconds I'm talking about. They they got the Bears on a three and out. Zappy comes in, leads them on a touchdown. They intercept the Bears on the next possession. Zappy leads them to a touchdown. Other than that, they were what uh, fifty two minutes and fifty six seconds. They were thoroughly and completely outplayed, outcoached. Everything. And from all three phases of the game, that was I, – I'm talking with Derek yesterday. I said this was uglier than the Bills' loss in the playoffs because – I'll say this. We knew going into that game that Buffalo was much better football team and that they were going to blow the Patriots out. This game, you were supposed to win. They were heavily favored. Heavily favored, and they just laid down and got stomped on. And I called it a mauling by the Bears because yep. I think it's fitting. But uh, it was it was awful. All three phases of the game, I was very disappointed with everything about this game. It wasn't all on the quarterbacks. The nope. defense played poorly. They gave up 243 yards on the ground. Um, Trust me, we'll be talking about that. Yeah, I mean, and, guys, how many times have we said that this? You know, it was a comp, you know, a compliment, complimentary football, or you know, a complete, a, a complete team win. This was a complete team loss, sure, an uncomplimentary and football, and sure. it starts at the very top. Absolutely, it, it does, guys, and we'll be talking about a huge coaching decision, which. I still disagree with, but I'm going to give you my opening thoughts. I'm going to go back to something that Derek said, and that'll pretty much set us off for the rest of the show. So Bailey Zappi comes in. And as you said, Derek, you thought the Patriots were going to go and win this game after they scored the two touchdowns. I actually picked up the phone and called Steve Balsheri co-host, and I was dumbfounded by the decision to bring in Bailey Zappi. This is after they had gone ahead. And this might sound a little strange to both of you. I had this very uneasy feeling that they were ahead 14 to 10 
because there was a part of me that did not want them to be ahead 14 to 10. If this makes any sense to you, because I hated the decision to play both quarterbacks. And this yep. is going to be the jumping off point. The decision to play both quarterbacks might destroy the Patriots for the rest of this season. In fact, I think it's going to. Okay? Because I think you've lost one quarterback, and now you're going to ask another quarterback, potentially, who's, I think, going to be a career backup, who I think is going to be a good backup, be your quarterback, or are they going to keep going back and forth? I think the decision to bring in Bailey Zappi by the coaching staff, and also I'm going to put it on the Patriots fans for the chanting of Zappi. Oh, don't even get me I think have done so much damage to the New England Patriots this season. It's beyond belief. Fans can influence what's going on. I think they were going to do this regardless, but I just think they have turned in a situation where Matt Jones, I, I, I thought was going to be the starting quarterback the rest of the season, to the point where when you're doing that, you are creating a quarterback controversy, which they now have done, mm -hmm. and it's a complete and utter mess. What's going on right now, from the minute they made the decision to bring in Bailey Zappi and the chanting from the Patriots fans, I th think has created a mess that I don't know if they can recover from the rest of the season. I, I know that sounds pretty no, wild I, to say. I, I, I couldn't agree but, with you more. But I think at this point, this is a mess. And it didn't have to be a mess. So let's just start right with you, Steve. I'm going to go to you. The coaching decision to play both quarterbacks. Let's start there. We'll, we'll go. We'll talk about the Zappy Chan in just a bit. I want to start here, Steve. I again. I was at work all day, and I started hearing and seeing tweets that Bill Belichick had said that they might play both quarterbacks in this game. And I'm thinking to myself, why? Why would you do this? Why would you entertain playing both quarterbacks? I've heard all different reasons potentially for it. Mac wasn't 100%. If he wasn't 100%, Steve, then you play Bailey Zappi. When you play both quarterbacks, this is not college football. The last time I've actually watched a game with two quarterbacks playing against a team that I watched with the Patriots it was a college football game. It was actually Syracuse against Michigan. Do you know who one of the starting quarterbacks was, Steve? It was Tom Brady. The other one was Drew Henson. It's commonplace a lot still to this day where you might see two starting two quarterbacks in a college football game. Not in a pro game, not like this, especially not planned. If this was planned, this is one of the dumbest plans Bill Belichick and the coaching staff have ever come up with. I can't be any stronger by saying that, Steve. Your thoughts? Well, <clears throat> I think it was either Mike Giardi or Adam Schefter before the game stated something to the effect of Belichick said that both were going to play because he was concerned that the fatigue factor would set in for Mac because he hadn't played in a month. But don't play him. That's well, just my thought. Can I Go finish? Ahead. Of course. <laughs> okay. Um, and it was a wet, cold, damp, night which if you have a soft tissue injury we all know though on nights like that they t they tend to tighten up and you know get worse on on a cold night like that 
<clears throat> However, the other side of the coin, well, if you're concerned, why didn't you let him sit for one more week and start him against yeah. the Jets? Now, there, there's a pro and a con side to that as well because we've watched the Jets' defense, and it's really, really good this year. We'll get into that in a, in a little bit. Right. But to have Mac, you know, work the rust off um, against the Jets, probably not a great idea. I would have rather they let Zappi play three quarters and bring Mac in in the fourth quarter, especially in a game you believe you should be winning, and then let him knock the rust off that way and have him get ready for the Jets. That's, you know, of course, hindsight being twenty twenty. I mean, we can all make arguments pro and for, but the way this entire thing was handled by Belichick, I thought was awful, horrible, awful, because for, for one, you pulled Mac Jones way too early. Um, he only had three series on the field. Okay. Granted, you know, they, they didn't get much going in well they didn't get anything going in the first two but you know you look at the penalties uh trent brown had three penalties in the first two drives three the offensive line pass blocking was horrible it looked like week one all over again the preseason all over again and it was like you know i'm like did these guys forget how to block you know now that max behind center because I thought that was awful. Now, the pass blocking improved when they brought in Zappi. For what reason? I have no idea. <laughs> but the nope, run blocking it's, never it's crazy. improved. Nope. The run blocking was terrible all game against one of the leakiest run defenses in the NFL. So coaching across the board, awful. And I thought the decision, how they handled this quarterback thing was absolutely awful. Now you've you've basically ruined the confidence of both your quarterbacks. That's right, Steve, and that's my main oh. point. Derek, over to you. Like I said, for me, this is a mess. I understand what Steve's saying. Steve was – it sounds like – and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Steve. You can understand a little bit why he went with both. You just would have handled it differently. Is that correct? Yes. I mean, okay. if – you know, what I heard said before the game – if that was the case, then I'm like, okay, let why aren't they letting Zappy start and bring okay. Mac in in the fourth quarter and then let him knock off some rust before you put him back in the starting position against what's going to be a very tough game against the Jets. Okay. All right, Derek. So, As you've already said, a lot to unpack. Go ahead. So I, I understand where Steve's coming from. When I, I heard the when I first heard the reports that day, Russ, like you were, I saw a couple of tweets leading up to the game. My antenna was going up and I go, this just sounds weird. Like I don't, that, that, that it, it, the whole, like leading up to the game just didn't sound right. And then I was thinking about it and I said, okay, well, let's, let's just say that, you know, the Patriots are winning this game as we kind of expected. And all of a sudden kind of late into the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, the Patriots have a two score lead and maybe Max ankles a little sore. So they want to do like a little bit of a pain management situation. Right. Okay. I get it. Um, instead, Mac plays three series and then is automatically pulled right at the interception, which was a bad interception, by the way. Russ, it it is a weird. It is it is a weird 
situation where the offensive line, for one, they got their ass kicked all night long, but the pass blocking for Bailey Zappi has been so much better than for Mac Jones. It's not even funny. I mean, there's no, it has nothing to do with quarterback. It has nothing to do with quarterback. I have no idea. I'm sure there are some plays that where the ball's being held on too long. The I'm telling you right now, if you go back and watch the games that Bailey Zappi has played versus where Mac Jones has played, it's like the offensive line turns into turnstiles when Mac Jones is under center versus Bailey Zappi. It's absolutely incredible. This was the worst offensive line performance of the season at least or at least comparable to week one it was it, it was doing either quarterback no favors mac jones comes into the game i thought that the fans were absolutely embarrassing and i will get put that aside for another time we're gonna go right to that after okay we're then with the this. perfect because it was a joke and i thought that the fans and, and bill poured gasoline all over the patriots quarterback controversy situation and put them both behind the eight ball uh, you know, early and often in this game. And yep. Bill ripping Mac Jones afterwards and saying that it was the plan and that it wasn't based on performance, but it wasn't based on injury. It was one of the situations where it's like, Bill, it's an obvious lie. You're lying. But, and and that's fine. He could have been straightforward from the beginning and avoided so many issues. He could have, but but he hasn't done that. He hasn't done it yeah, on anything. The two biggest, the two biggest th- questions he's been annoyed about all season is who the Patriots play caller is and who the quarterback is. If he had just said Max the starter when he's healthy and Matt Patricia's the play caller, it would have given almost no insight to anybody. Sure. And he could have avoided a you know 10,000 awkward questions and answers the entire summer, the entire season, but he hasn't been willing to do that because he's a stubborn asshole and it's so upsetting <laughs> wow. how he's handled the situation so not only did he basically put he basically hung mac jones out to dry yep the fans hung mac jones out to dry Z- zappy came in scored two touchdowns by the way as steve said the only seven minutes and four seconds of the game where the patriots played their brand of football they also had starting field position from like the 45 to 50, both scoring drives. The other drives that Bailey Zappi had were all in the 20s, just like Mac had. They didn't score another point. So I would like to just, you know, maybe direct people to, again, complimentary football, looking at where the defensive special teams set people up for success versus not. The Patriots offense in general was a mess. Bailey Zappi's worst game as a pro. Kind of expected, kind of not. Mac Jones should be the starting quarterback going forward. They need to pick a quarterback and stick with it. it okay. The whole situation is so infuriating, as you can tell. I can um, tell, Derek. It well, I, it's 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 just you just don't often see a missed a mismanaged dysfunctional issue from this team. That's usually okay. not what you see. Okay, and I'll tell you right now. You know how this is going to sound very sports radio talkish. Yep. But if you listen to Jacoby Myers after the game and you hear him talk about how fr- how confused he was about the decision, how he felt like it wasn't right about Mac Jones putting in so much work, getting treated like that, talking about that from being pulled and from the fans, it's it just it's not like you're a losing team, it's like you're a loser team. And it's I just think it's I think it's really I think it's starting to get really ugly they need to win on they need to win on sunday really bad to kind of move on from this because that is it just leaves a bad taste in your mouth okay and i totally agree derek and listen we're far from done with this but i just want to mention one thing and steve i want to go back to you before we really 
way into where I want to go after this. I want to talk a little bit about the Chicago Bears. Okay. Yeah, they deserve a lot of credit. That's where I want to go. Okay. The Chicago Bears had a wonderful game plan. I know they had 10 days to prepare. It showed, but that doesn't take away from executing everything they wanted to do. And I think they found what they want out of uh, Justin Fields. I want to give him credit. I want to give the whole team credit. They are, they, I think they took the blueprint from the Ravens, ran with it. And I think this works great for them in a way. I, I know, I know the offense is a little bit different, but we'll talk about why I think the Patriots struggled against Justin Fields because they can't deal with a mobile quarterback. That's just, that's a topic we're going to get to in a little bit, but I don't know. Again, I haven't been listening or watching anything. I want to give credit to the Chicago Bears. Just want to start there, Steve. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, they dominated all three phases of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. I mean, when you dominate that and you force four turnovers, guess what? You're going to win. You're going to win 99.999% of the time. I mean, that's just the way – Things go. And they won in the trenches, Steve, as you've already said. They dominated. They didn't win. They dominated in the trenches. You watch the Patriots all night long. Yep. You know, I thought, I mean, the Bears' run defense coming into this game was one of the worst in the NFL. Yeah. And tell me how many times you saw a consistent push. Yeah. From the Patriots' offensive line. It wasn't there. No, it definitely wasn't there. They didn't win. They dominated. Yep. And the same, uh, you know, defensively, I mean, I, I was astounded by how huge the gaps were in the middle, especially in the middle of the defensive line. You know, when you watch yep. the game, I mean, when he decided to run, there wasn't a sliver for him to slide through. There was gaps enough you could drive a truck through a couple of times. Yeah, I totally agree, Stephen. And, and all game long, I, I kept saying, where are the, you know, Inside linebackers, where are they? Because he's running through and there's nobody in the middle. Where'd those guys go? I have no idea. Okay. But, but it seemed like all game long that they were one step ahead. I was just thinking of, the same of Gerard thing. Mayo and Steve Belichick. Because yeah. when the Patriots played zone, they usually had somebody wide open. And when they played Every man, time. he'd take off running. And they were a, a step ahead all game long with yep. that. I didn't see any adjustments made. I didn't see any exotic looks from the Patriots to try to confuse fields. Nothing. Okay. Derek, quickly, because I don't want to spend too much time, but I think you'll agree with Steve and me that we should give credit to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, and it total, I, I, I do agree with both of you. And, and they – I, I give Justin Fields a lot of credit, probably his best game as a pro. Yeah. I give Matt Eberflus and the coaching staff, uh, Luke Getze, uh, the defensive coordinator. I thought I thought that the coaching game plan for the Chicago Bears made a lot of sense. The Bill Belichick said earlier in the week that Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears don't do a lot of design quarterback runs. Well, what did they do? They did a lot of quarter, design quarterback runs, and it was very similar to Lamar Jackson. And, and now this is a theme where we've seen this a couple of times this season. Um, so any mobile quarterback moving forward, the Patriots need to figure out a way to handle it because they weren't there. They weren't able to, um, you know, it's like, it, it's like, you know, the Patriots and bill have always ha- really liked and favored, you know, setting the edges, run defense, gap discipline, 
um, and favored a bigger body front seven defender. Well, they do that because they want to stop the run and they haven't been able to stop the run on a consistent basis in three or four years. And they're, and they got mauled in the running game here. They went extremely high. I thought Mike Reese on Zolak and Bertrand put this in a really nice, uh, I, I, or I thought he kind of summed it up where he's talking about overthinking it. Mike Reese said he didn't feel good from the first snap of the game because Dietrich Wise and Matt Judon were not on the field. And he goes, it just seems like it was an, like, like sometimes people just overthink it. Like they went with like this jumbo package in the front seven. And, and, and I got Mike's overall point, you know, whether you agree with the, you know, the sentiment or not, sometimes people do overthink it. And I, I just, I just felt like the bears controlled this game in so many ways. And physically at the line of scrimmage, I thought on both sides of the ball really set the tone. And uh, it was evident from literally the first snap all the way through. Totally agree. And that's why I wanted to just talk a little bit about the Bears. It's a Patriots show. We're going to focus on what the Patriots did wrong, which is a ton. So, yeah, back and that's to the gonna... Patriots. We have too much to talk about. The Bears oh, no. deserve all the credit. We're now we're Absolutely. The oh, no, we're, <laughs> we're going right back there. But, but I want to talk about what was happening in the very early stages of the game. Now, I made the mistake, guys, of going on Twitter, and, and I wasn't hearing it at the time. But then I started seeing tweets about the chanting. And then I started hearing the chanting and Mac Jones is, as we, anyone that's watched the game was struggling at the beginning of the game. It's understandable that he would struggle, but he really struggled. Yep. And as we're all talking about, we started seeing before the game that they are going to play both quarterbacks. Again, reports are going to play both quarterbacks and the chanting, the zappy chanting, Steve, it's going to bring me back to a game. I went to in 1975. Sorry, Derek, way before your time. Jim Plunkett was the quarterback. Jim Plunkett was the quarterback. What did I hear? I heard chance for Grogan. Now, Bailey Zappi is going to be a nice backup quarterback, in my opinion. He's no Steve Grogan, okay? And Jim Plunkett at that point was still an accomplished quarterback. But, again, you, you could say what you want. Jim Plunkett ended up having a very good career. That was the end of Jim Plunkett, Steve. That was the end. So for me, this has caused a lot of damage, and not just to the New England Patriots, but to Mac Jones. They sh- again, the fans. I love the Patriots fans. They should never have done this, and they have actually added to uh, some of the problems. I think the Patriots are going to have. What were your thoughts when you started hearing the Zappy chance? And do you agree well, with me that it was embarrassing? It was extremely embarrassing. Because they, I, when Jones took the field, I could hear a smattering of boos. This is before he took a snap. Okay, that's yeah. ridiculous, by the way. Okay. Yep. And the fans have bought into all of this, you know, I, I say fake quarterback controversy that was being written about. Um, but, again, I, I bring it right back to the coaching staff because they – they said right on before the game that they're going to play right. both. So that that already caused, you know, a situation that didn't exist to, to manifest itself. And now they all wanted to see Zappi. If, if Belichick just said, Mac Jones is starting, he's going to be the quarterback, I don't think it would have been as bad. But then everyone wanted to see, you know, Wonder Boy. And Zappi was, I mean, the the praise Did you see the signs, Steve? Do you see all the zappy signs? Yeah, I mean, it was going over the top, I think. 
I think he's been very, very good. Don't get me yeah. wrong. I think he's played extremely well. Is he starting, you know, quarterback uh, caliber? No, he's not. And we saw what happened, you know, uh, as yeah, he did lead those two scoring drives. And I'll caveat that too, because go back to that touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers. That he was wide open, and that was a horrible, horrible throw. throw. Horrible, horrible. Great catch. Great catch Jacoby Myers just made a tremendous play on that, and he was so wide open, he was able to crawl into the end zone. Um, but that was not a good throw. No. And he was wide open. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was really embarrassing for Jones. I mean, this is a guy who was came in as a rookie last year, but he got all the snaps in preseason because, well, not all of them, but he, he, he was able to work his way ahead of the incumbent in training camp. And, you know, he accounted himself. He, he set a lot of rookie records, you know, last year. I mean, yeah. it was very successful. He led them to a 10 and seven record. They went to the playoffs and, you know, everyone was so high on Mac coming into this year. And then, I mean, I was talking with Antoine Staley this morning. He's a writer for the New York Daily News. He covers the Jets, old friend of ours, Russ. Yeah. You you remember Antoine. And he was like, fans are really fickle, you know. And I think that's a prime example. I mean, before Jones even come on the field, the fans had turned their back on him or booing him after three series? Come on. But That's this goes ridiculous. to my thoughts, and then I'm going to go to you, Derek, Steve, is that I'm thinking about this when I'm starting to hear this. Franchises, teams that are in trouble, this is what happens. You get chance for the other quarterback to come. That tells you that your team's in trouble, Steve. I When I started hearing that, I'm thinking, wow, the Patriots really have dropped. If we're now going into quarterback controversies, want the other quarterback, like I said, I went back to 1975 with you. That And at that point, it ended up working out well with Grogan. But at that point, the Patriots were a disaster. Guess what? They're a disaster again, Steve. They are now. I mean, but the, the, the strange thing is, they had won their last two games extremely convincingly. So yeah. it was – there was no need for a desperation move. And it was. It, and this it, was. I, I thought it was handled awfully. That's, I couldn't agree more. Derek, over to you. Thoughts on this? You've already mentioned a little bit of it. Do you agree with uh, Steve and myself that this is embarrassing? And I think it's also done some damage. Oh, I totally agree. Um, I, as Steve said, you heard it as Mac was going out for his first series. You, it was this is here's my thing. If you were in the crowd and you partook in the boo, I, you think you should be ashamed of yourself. That was a joke. It was a ridiculous. It was you're you were you're a bad fan. I'm just gonna flat out say it. And if you don't like it, I don't really give a shit. Um, I thought <laughs> it was. I felt embarrassed to be a Patriots fan when that happened. I'm sitting here thinking to myself. You know what? If Mac Jones had come in the game and started and he had played and the offense put up only 14 points and the offense really struggled the entire night and they started booing late in the third quarter, early fourth, I wouldn't have batted at night. They booed Brady. I heard it I heard it a hundred times. I have no problem. Fans can do that. What are you going to do undercutting your quarterback like that? 
I, I just don't understand it. Like the guy just got back. He, he took the team to the, won 10 games last year, took the team to the playoffs, and then he comes back from injury and you're going to boo him? Like it just made no sense. I mean, I, I just, I just don't, I just don't understand it. I really, I really didn't. Um, I thought it was tasteless and classless. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to parse words. I thought it was bullshit. So anyway, I'll move on from that before I get myself in trouble. But uh, I, I thought that Bill hung out Mac to dry. I said that already. I thought he put him in a bad spot. I thought the fans put him in a bad spot. And what's really annoying is that as, as much as, as, as much as I acknowledge that Mac Jones didn't play well and Bailey, jo- uh, Bailey Zappi didn't play well, I'm annoyed. And I said this last week, it's almost like I have to disparage one to go to the other, you know, and that's just a weird situation because I'm really not trying to do that. I do think Mac Jones should be the starter. And I thought Bailey kind of showed you why. Um, but I just think that at the same time, Bailey has been able to get the offense to produce on occasion. And Mac Jones has thrown a lot of picks and has struggled. But I just think the Patriots, unfortunately, I'm not even a big Mac Jones guy. But I mean, you, I, I still think that the team invested a lot in him and you deserve to find out what you have in him. And I just think you have to pick her out. And if, and guess what? If Bill wants to go with Bailey, if he wants, if he thinks he's the better choice, then that's fine. Then just come out and say it and ride one. You can't just, this isn't, you can't platoon quarterback. This isn't college. I just thought this was like some kind of high school game plan. I just didn't understand it at all. I don't. And, and honestly, I just think you need to have Mac Jones and go with them. And then if, if five or six games, seven games, eight games, however long you want to wait, if you feel like he's not the guy, then go to Zappy and see what you have. But I just think that's that's a bigger decision than I think people want to realize. And I, I I didn't expect we for us to be in this. But another thing too is that the coaching staff. If you look at Mac Jones, I want to say it was either six of eight or seven of nine. I think it was. I think I think it was six of eight of his past of, of the first plays. He's all in shotgun. They have him in the. They they started calling the offense the same way they were calling it prior to the injury when Mac was first in there, and then all of a sudden they go back to what they're doing the last few weeks when Bailey Zappi gets in there. And in my mind, I'm like, I know the competition was worse, but the offense looked more comfortable. It looked more representative the last few weeks. So why not we get we, we start working in some play action? Let's start working in some other things that they've been doing the last few weeks. But it seems like. There's a certain set of plays for one guy and not the other. And I don't know. It just, it just feels like, the, it feels like the coaching staff is just not setting up Mac Jones for success. Though, you know, like they were doing last year. And again, he hasn't played well. That, that interception was horrendous and that was all on him. But I, I just don't, I just, I just really think that the coaching staff has put Mac Jones under the gun. And I thought it was obvious. And I thought the fans only threw gasoline on the fire. On there, there was an interesting post on Pat's fans last night that Ian uh, shared on the Twitter feed. Um, now I'm not arguing the fact that the decision to throw that pass by Mac was awful. I know you're going. Yeah. Yeah. It looked like the ball hit the TV cable. Yep. The sky, so, so the sky cam, and the and I heard, I heard someone make an interesting point. So ESPN has the sky cam that kind of f- crosses over the field. Well, because it was foggy, the the camera was actually a little bit lower than it normally is because it has to break through the fog to see the field. So when Mac Jones threw the interception to Jaquan Brisker, who is a phenomenal player, uh, looks yeah. really good. Um, 
the ball looked like Doug Kai was doing the Zabru- Zabruta film last night on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it did look like it to me, it looked like the ball hit. I don't know how much trajectory it really changed. It's hard to really tell, but it definitely yeah. affected it in some way. Again, the decision to throw in general, you know, it yeah. was a big, oh, no. it was a big, I'm, I'm it was, it was a, ba- it was a bad decision. Flat out. I, I'm not arguing that at all, but I didn't know that until last night. And then when I was watching it, it did seem like it hit the cable. And, you know, because it looked like a nice spiral, but when it was coming down, it was not. And I'm wondering how much it it affected it. It doesn't change the fact that he shouldn't have thrown the ball anyway. But uh, it was just curious. I I saw that. Okay. Guys, I'm having some uh, internet issues, if you're not noticing. So I'm going to actually have to change something. So if you guys could continue to talk about – we're going to focus on the defense. So I'm just going to do something on my end to try to uh, fix what's going on here. But uh, sorry, that was for for a topic later on. Sorry, guys. I have another rant I can can throw out there. Go ahead, Derek. Go on another rant. Will you you figure that out? Thank you, Um, well, no, I, it's really not a rant, but Steve, you know, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, and I, I, I know we've talked about this um, on a couple of different fronts, but I really do think that Bill has brought a lot of these issues on himself. I know we well, there's plenty to talk about with the game, but everybody here watched the game. We all know the game was it was it was a, it was a game where again the Patriots were really just taken to the woodshed, and that was it. And I'm not, I think this is really. There's so much to talk about off the field as much as on the field from this. And, you know, for me, Steve, I I just think that I understand sometimes where Bill comes from with not, you know, kind of having everything out there for the media. And I understand of keeping things in the house. And I, ever, and I respect how he does his business more often than not. But don't you just feel like him coming out and just saying Mac Jones is the starter when he's healthy? just would have solved so many problems pre or post game. Like I just feel like him leaving it open just leaves him open for, you know, a lot of questions from his players, from the fans, from the media. And it just seems like it exacerbates the situation in my opinion. You know, what, what's your take on that? Yeah. And the comments by some of the players after the game, you know, um, on Monday night, they, they were, kind of surprised by all of this because they didn't know any of it. Right. <clears throat> they didn't know both guys were going to play. And the fact that, you know, Jones was taken out so early was kind of very surprising to a couple of them. I know Jacoby Myers said something. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. He did. He did say something. He did say something. About yeah. It. <clears throat> so I thought that was kind of, I don't know. It, it just, it seems like the anti-Belichick. I mean, this yeah. is not what he, you know, has comes out and does on a, I mean, he actually never does this, you know, to, to leave it open and where the players aren't even aware of it. Right. I thought it was shocking. Right. I agree. Guys, I want to go back and I want to talk about the Patriots defense. So Steve, over to you. What do you make of the fact that they just can't deal with a mobile quarterback? What is the issue here? This continues. So your thoughts on this. You said that they were just going back and forth. They couldn't really figure out what they were going to do. Zone, man, all this. 
So that's on Steve Belichick, Gerard Mayo, and Bill Belichick, and all the coaches. Why can they not deal with a mobile quarterback? That's Why? the six, $64,000 question, right? And th- this is not a new issue. No, it's it's not a new issue. And it, this is something they've been struggling with for a very long time. And, you know, I thought they might have had it figured out a couple of years ago when they faced Jackson, you know, and they seemed to do much better. But, you know, uh, you know, the games last year against Josh Allen and then – you know, this year against Jackson again, and now this with Justin Fields, they they seem like they're totally in a brain fog when it comes to these guys. Like they have no idea how they're going to handle it. Yeah, and they made Justin Fields look like a Pro Bowl quarterback, by the way. He didn't look like the same guy that we saw all season. No, no, and that gets me to ask the question: Why? I remember when they played Russell Wilson, even in the Super Bowl. They struggled, and then again, when they played in Seattle, same thing. They have a hard time. Are they in between two worlds, Steve? They're trying to figure out, well, we need to be aggressive, but we need to be wary of the running. So we got to play a soft zone to force them to make the plays. What happens when he makes – how many third and longs did Justin Fields connect on, Steve? How many? How many before I got sick to my stomach? I I, I can't even count how many. There was too many. I mean, there was oh, several. One, that one scramble was like, on third and 14 for like 20 and yards. 14. Oh, just. That was the terrible. dagger for me, by the way. Oh, there were so many. So many. I mean, how many? That, that was the problem with that game, too, guys. It was like there was a multiple third downs, multiple big scrambles. Uh, the, the Bears were last on third down percentage in the NFL prior to the game. They had 11 fields was a part of 10 of them. Um, oh. There was the Cole Komet sideline catch. Oh. There was just like, I mean, there, was, many. It, there were so many plays in this game where you felt like he had two guys in his face or there were, you know, it looked like he was dead to rights. The running back was dead to rights. And all of a sudden they would make a play. It was just, it was just constant. Uh, it was the, the entire game. The defense couldn't get off the field. The tackling has was horrible. I thought generally their tackling has been good this yeah. year. That they couldn't set the edge. They couldn't tackle. They couldn't cover. They were calling bad plays. Um, they were calling unfortunate plays. They had the uh, the they had a zero on that on that. Uh, they had a zero cover on that on that running back screen. Field saw it, checked out of it, che- or che- sorry, checked into the screenplay, called it six. I mean, just. Just it was just thoroughly an outclassing on so many levels. It it really yeah. I I honestly didn't see that game coming at all. I mean on any on any level. Okay, okay, good stuff, guys. All right, let's talk about a couple big picture issues for the Patriots before we talk briefly about the New York Jets. Steve, over to you. Again, I've said this. I think this game did damage to Mac Jones. Can he recover from this? I'm, I'm I know this is a hyperbolic topic but i don't know man i i don't know this is a gonna be a hard one this is gonna be a hard one for him and i think a lot of this is really nothing to do with mac jones so can mac jones recover from this and how does he can he yes i don't know if he will i mean this was this was a huge blow to his ego and to his confidence i mean you know not only the fans, I mean, they're booing him before he even hits. They've the already event. turned on him. I mean, yeah, how they, do you come back from this? Him. Right. They, they've definitely turned on him. And that's, I mean, and then the the way he was pulled so quickly. Oh. Um, 
Um, I don't know. I mean, the only way I see out of this is they're going to have to start him against the Jets and yep. a, a really good defense against the Jets. And he's going to have to play really, really well. And that, that includes all the other pieces because um, that's the only way I see any uh, opening for him to have any kind of longevity here because I thought that was – I mean, he, he pre- presented – you know, the the nice front. He yep. was the first on the field. You know, congratulate Zappy after the touchdown. He said most of the right things after the game, but you could tell he was upset. Yeah, and of course he's a human And being. I don't blame him. And, and Derek, I want to get your thoughts. Can he recover? But I'm going to take a little bit different turn with you in regards to Mac Jones, okay? I don't know if he can recover. and But beyond that, now I've watched him. I've said this over the summer. I was concerned if he's the long-term solution for the New England Patriots. Forget about the health and the injury, what led up in so far in the season when he played, and something that I noticed last season, and it continues now. I think what makes it partially what makes a great quarterback is decision making. I think you would agree with me on that, right? Correct. Pocket presence is a huge part of that. Correct. Derek, his pocket presence is horrific. It yeah. wasn't that great last season. So far, I can tell throwing off of his back foot for, uh, you know, that interception was yep. not good. But it's kind of indicative of what we've seen from him. When he is on script, he looks great. I could tell you Jake Plummer, when he was on script, looked great. But I'm starting to continue. I shouldn't say it started. Continue to have my doubts of the long-term with Mac Jones, with the New England Patriots, and now we've got this on top of it. All right. Well, you're throwing a lot out. So I know I am. Okay, That's so why let me I drill down on these two things real quick. Okay. Because like, okay. So first, first, he he is showing continuously that he is a quarterback that needs everything around him right in order exactly. to be successful. Now you can win that way, but the team around you has to be really good, and right now the team around him is not. And okay. and unfortunately, what you're seeing some bad habits with him um he is not trusting his offensive line and he's instead of going through his progressions it looks like he's really looking at like one or two guys and then he's taking off and yeah. and running and he he did that a lot he's he's done that a lot this season and he did that a lot in this game where he he couldn't really stand in the pocket and look the pockets were muddy i mean it wasn't like the offensive line was giving him a lot of clean pockets the offensive line yeah. played horrible it was yeah. Cole Strange's worst game as a pro. Trent Brown was oh, horrendous. Trent Brown was a David guy. Andrews, who I love to death, played badly. Like uh, I mean, literally, it was just bad all around. And there was there was two three guys that were that were losing one on one blocks at a time, and you just aren't going to be that successful that way. That put aside, Mac has been looking to take off and run a lot more than he did last year, and yeah. he looked more comfortable back last year. But they were also running a slightly different style offense. So it, it's it's a, it's a big situation now. You know, Russ, uh, on can he recover from this? I think yes, but I do think there's been some damage done. I don't think there's really any denying that. I mean, I I do acknowledge. I think we would all acknowledge that this is professional sports, okay? And it and it's a results based business. I think you can also say that, and you can also believe what I'm about to say. I felt bad for Mac on Monday night. So did I. I, I felt bad. I and I I I just felt like he was I. I I, I get he hasn't played well, I, and I and again I think both things can be true. I just thought he was kind of put. 
I, he's trying to fight back from injury, trying to get back onto the field, trying to do the right things. And the crowd's chanting for somebody else, you know, and it's like he's going to lose his job to injury after doing a pretty good job last year. He hasn't really been in the best situation. I don't know. I just felt like he was kind of behind the eight ball. I just didn't. I just felt like the whole thing kind of just, it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. Okay. And I'm there with you, Derek. And listen, the whole thing with him and the way that the fans have turned on him is very bad. I also want to mention, and I know that I get flack and duly noted why I get flack when I talk so much about the media, but I will tell you this, that they, they created part of this, the, the way that they've been talking about the whole quarterback controversy because it benefits them, but the fans have run with it. And that's kind of where we are on that. We'll see if he can recover and I hope he can. Okay. One final topic before we do a quick preview of the Jets. So the Patriots are three and four guys. The season's teetering. So when do you do this? Do you do this? Steve, should the Patriots clear house and make trades for picks prior to the ending of the trade deadline? Now, I'm not saying go all Carolina Panther on you, but do you consider it if they lose this week? The trade deadline is Tuesday, November 1st, 4 p.m. Eastern, by the way. Okay. So I'm talking about after the Jets game. Do you consider if they lose this game, clearing house? I can tell you, Bill won't. I know he won't. Yeah, he won't. (laughs) But if you're in, what would you? Would you? I think it's a little too early for a fire sale type thing. I mean, you have to start self-scouting and figure out what your direction is and which guys fit the direction you're going and which ones don't. I could see them moving on from a couple of players, uh, regardless of you know, whether they win or lose against the Jets. I agree with that. Um, I I don't think I would. But okay. it's getting it's getting to the point where the clock's almost at midnight. Well, that's what I'm saying, Steve, because like Derek said, November 1st, you actually have time to make deals. You do. I think that there are deals that they can make regardless of, like you said, a fire sale. I'm not saying a fire sale like the Panthers, but I'm saying maybe something in between because I think they have a strong young core, Derek. They've drafted well. Yeah. So do you consider, like you and I are talking about, us it's about the rebuild. This is a rebuild regardless. not winning anything this year. Let's be honest. So I'm thinking big picture. Now, am I wrong to be thinking about big picture? If they beat the Jets, we're still in it. If they lose to the Jets, technically they are, but – do you make a couple more moves if you lose to the Jets? Maybe you do. Yeah, but here's the thing. It, and it, it, they have a couple of guys that I could see them getting rid of. I could see them moving on from Kendrick Bourne. It just it, it, one of the weirder situations. Yep. You know, I can remember, but it just Isaiah seems like Wynn. he's out of favor. But see, like, here's that's a perfect example. Isaiah Wynn. I could see them getting rid of Isaiah Wynn if they feel like he's bad for the locker room, if they feel like he's kind of whatever. But I would also say, like, what? What are you going to get for him? Like a conditional sixth or seventh round pick? He's in yeah. the. It's halfway through his his last contract year, and they have a team who trades for him has to pay him. What are you going to get for him? I'd almost rather have him here in case of insurance because of how poorly the offensive line is there. You know True. what I mean? And I would say the same yeah. thing for for Damian Harris. Damian Harris is. It, it, I was it, thinking you know, about a very him good too. running back, but yeah. and he, I don't think he's going to be back here. He's also. Okay. It's also by the way, both Isaiah Wynn and Damian Harris have taken a lot of Patriot stuff down off their Instagrams. 
I don't know, social media and professional sports 2022 is a weird, muddy thing to decipher, but it was just weird that Damian Harris was taken off the injury report and then only given the ball three times and then takes all his Patriot stuff off his Instagram. I don't, I, it could be nothing. It could be something. I honestly don't know. I, I can't tell okay. if he was pissed or what. I, I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, okay. I, I right. just, I don't know what you do. I could see a couple of moves. I could see it. I don't think anyone's Nelson Aguilar is going to really demand anything because his contract's a little bit higher, but maybe someone like Kendrick Bourne gets you a decent little pick and maybe yeah. you do something like that. Cause I do think this need, this team needs to continue to draft young players and develop and do yep. things like that. And, and they'll, and they'll do that. But I mean, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird line to toe, but um you know, this game coming up with the Jets, they play the Jets, they play the Colts, they play the Jets again. Yet you you almost have to win. You certainly have to win both Jets games to really climb yourself back in. But yep. all these these conference games, these division games, if you have any playoff aspirations, um, if you're a fan or or in one part of the organization who wants to go to the playoffs, these are basically must wins because you're in last place right now. Yep. We're basically halfway through the year. Okay, good stuff. All right. To end the show, we're going to talk quickly about the New York Jets and how important this game is. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, guys. Let's end the show talking about the Jets. We don't have much time, so let's just get right to it. We're going to stop this week with uh, who has the advantage. We're going to go right to the three keys to victory, Steve. We're going to jump right to it. Uh, well, actually, before we do that, thoughts on the Jets? We have well, a few minutes for that. The the Jets, I mean, I think their defense, they're winning with their defense in the running game. Obviously, they lost Brees Hall this, this week to a torn ACL, but they made a, a deal really quick. To pick up James Robinson, saw that. I, uh, you know, talking with uh, Antoine Staley earlier this morning, he thinks that they're going to split carries between Robinson and Carter in the backfield. Um, that that'll be interesting. But they've been winning with that defensive line, and that's what uh, I'm looking at this week because David Andrews went out with a uh, what we think was a concussion on Monday night. It's a short week. I doubt very much he's going to play. And Quentin Williams has been on a different plane this year. So you're going to have Quentin Williams in the middle against Ryan Ferentz. Yeah, that's Uh, not good. That's not what you're looking for. No, that's not what you're looking for because the Jets have been dominating everyone with that defensive line. And uh, to me, that's going to be the focus this week because I think, you know, unless things change drastically, they're going to do that. I, I I don't think Zach Wilson has been lighting the world on fire this year. Um, he's been okay in the fact that he's not turning the ball over, but yeah. you know, their, their passing game hasn't been, you know, set doing anything special, but at the same time, you have to be aware of his running because he can scramble. He's not a scrambling quarterback. But he's got good wheels. Okay, good stuff. Derek, over to you quickly on the Jets, and then we'll go right to 
Three keys to victory and prediction. Yeah, unfortunately for the Jets, who have really played well, and their young uh, their young uh, draft class from this year has really, really made an impact. And, um, you know, it's hard to be a really, really good, consistent team when you're built with so many young players. But the, and, and the Jets are. They're, they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And by, pers- by, by you know, pers- on, a, on a percentage of snaps basis, they have the youngest players in the NFL of 23 and under playing the most of anybody in the league. And, um, you know, what they had, they lost um, Elijah Vera Tucker, the second year offensive lineman, to a torn triceps. They lost Brees Hall, as Steve just alluded to, who's been just ter- terrific for them in the run game. Um, uh, you know, like I said, they're not lighting the world on fire. They're kind of a middle-of-the-road passing team. They have some weapons, but it's uh, Zach Wilson, while he hasn't been turning the ball over, really hasn't been making a lot of plays. Um, they really do want to hurt you in the run game, but where they are – really making their hay is defense uh, on defense. Quinn and Williams has really elevated his game. Uh, and, uh, you know, with, with the injuries, like Steve mentioned to the offensive line, it's going to be, it's going to be a battle. It's going to be the Patriots offense with so many questions coming out of Monday night's game uh, for the whole team, but offense specifically is going to have a really tough test against this Jets team. They are a team that is going to want to play physical. They want to hit you in the mouth. Uh, they are opportunistic. Uh, and they and they really swarm to the football, so uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a tough test for this Patriots offense, and it's hard to have a lot of confidence after what we saw against the Chicago Bears uh, just a couple of days ago. Okay, let's finish up the show with our three keys to victory and prediction. Steve, over to you quickly with your three keys to victory and your prediction. Well, number one is they're gonna have to find a way to shore up that offensive line against the Jets defensive line, because Mm. if the offensive line plays anything similar to what we saw on Monday night, this is going to be an absolute disaster. You thought Monday night was bad. Uh, This Jets defensive line is tons better than the bears. So that has to be, you know, your number one key. The offensive line has to really bear down and uh, excuse the pun there, and and shore things up and get the running game going. Uh, number two is you have to slow down the Jets running game because Robert Sala has made it clear that, you know, he wants the Jets' identity to be a running football team. So, you know, uh, you know with their defense, they that if they run the ball, they control the clock. Granted, Brees Hall's out. But, you know, Carter's a good back, and they picked up James Robinson. Uh, I think this, this, especially after the way the Patriots' defense played again on Monday night, yep. that's a big key for them. And three, you have to win the turnover battle. Being minus three, you know, will lose you to anybody. And they have to figure out a way to get Zach Wilson to turn the ball over. He hasn't been doing that this year, but they have to find a way to do that on Sunday. Okay, prediction. 27-10, Jets. Wow, so Steve's going for a blowout. Okay, Derek, over to you. You look a little surprised by that, but we'll see if that's your prediction. Uh, I mean, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but yeah, I I did catch me a little bit off. Um, I will say this. uh, I agree. Steve and I have a very similar first key, which is um, I think the Patriots need to shore up the the trenches. I, I just think coming out of that last game, you know, Steve's talking about the offensive line play, offensive and defensive line. They both have to be better because you 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 can lose 
you can lose games getting beatly that badly up front on both sides. And it was evident on Monday night and you're going to have bigger problems on uh, in this game. If you can't shore up both sides of those lines, because you have to be able to stop the run and you have to be able to protect the quarterback. And, and it really starts up there. Uh, my second key to this game really is, is, is just, just don't like shoot yourself in the foot. And I know that sounds easy to say, but the, the Patriots with all their penalties, all their turnovers uh, and, you know, in the game last week, they were just setting themselves up for failure. And it, it, it really, it's hard to win. It's hard to win games when you're playing against yourself and your opponent. And that's what the Patriots did this last week. Uh, and my third key uh, is, you know, I would say relatively simple, but you really are going to have to, you know, from an offensive standpoint, kind of get on a more efficient track. There's too many there's too many issues right now, um, you know, from an offensive standpoint with either going three and out or you get a big chunk play. There's just not consistent, efficient drives. I think from an offensive standpoint, they have to figure out how they can just kind of matriculate the ball down the field. It seems like if they don't get the, the ball with a starting field position of 40, they can't score. It's like they're dead in the water if they start between the 20 and 30 yard line. And I mean, it, it's just a really, really tough place to be. Um, my prediction for this game is I do believe the Jets are going to win this game because um, I just right now I just think they're, they're flat out playing better football. Um, I don't think this is a game the Patriots couldn't win. I could totally envision a situation where the Patriots played really bad and they come out and they're playing hot, um, kind of hot and heavy. Uh, but I just they just didn't inspire a lot of confidence with their performance on Monday night. I'm going with Jets 23, Patriots 17. Okay, well. It's going to be uh, unanimous. I'm picking the Jets as well. I'm going 24 to 10 Jets for a lot of the reasons both of you have said, just because I just don't see any momentum coming into this game. Derek's right, though. The Patriots can win this game. I truly believe that, but uh, I don't have the confidence to pick them. And I agree with Steve. I, I could see them losing by a decent amount. 24 to 10 is not that different than what Steve just picked. So I'm going to say 24 to 10. So that's going to do it. Okay, guys, great show as always. Before we wrap up, just mention subscribe on YouTube to PatsFans.com's YouTube channel and also on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe because you'll get all the episodes of Patriots 4th and 2. We do get new listeners. It does help Patriots fans find us. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Patriots 4th and 2. For Derek Havens and Steve Balsteri, I'm Russ Goldman. Thank you as always for watching and listening to Patriots 4th and 2 the official podcast, PatsFans.com.